0: This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710 710.
0: Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on this Tuesday, June 29th of 2021. I am Paul Gallant. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. You can text into it 710 710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can also tweet in, at says, I was combing through the mean internet streets last night for any content to squeeze some hot takes out of. And it was difficult. The Mariners, of course, didn't play last night. They had a, another night off. They've had a couple of those of late, which is good. Getting perhaps a little more rested with all the injuries that they're dealing with. Also, <laughs> another day before we figure out what's going to happen with Hector Santiago. No update on that. If something happens over the course of the next hour, we will be the first to tell you about it. But while looking for content, I went on Mariner's Reddit, where, of course, I, as many people know, I'm blocked. <laughs> but I found a way through, and I saw a really interesting post. Came from a website called Five Thirty Eight. For those who don't know, that's the really nerdy sports site. But guess what? We're going to read the headline anyway, because the headline is going to get you going just a little bit. The MLB contender nobody saw coming and after a preamble that talks about how Boston and San Francisco are overcoming some really non-existent expectations at the beginning of the year to put together a first half that's been really impressive. They're plus 500 by three games. They have had, per this 538 piece, easily the most surprising ascension in a first half compared to any team in baseball. And honestly, you think about it, it's probably true, right? I mean, what were your expectations going into the year? Did you think they were going to be three games above 500 right now? And I'm not giving them a participation trophy for having, you know, almost at halfway through the year being above 500. And I'm not making any expectations for the rest of the year based off of that. I do think there is a good chance of them finishing 500 with the way that they have played the last couple of weekend series against the Rays, against the White Sox, and just the way that they have played against good teams thus far this year, that there is a chance that they're going to finish above 500. But as I read through the article, as excited as I was by the headline, I found myself hating reading that the Mariners are the biggest surprise in baseball because it makes it harder to rationally explain how they can keep up what they're doing, right? So I'm going to throw you guys a question. You can answer it again on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company, tax line 710710. You'll get the call in at 815 and your chance to be heard, 206-421-3776 at 1015. How much of the Mariners' surprising start is due to their process, due to their culture, and how much of it is just luck? You get to answer that. So let's go to Twitter really quickly. Matt responds, a lot of luck. Feels like a less extreme version of the 2018 team. Not to say performances from guys like France, Crawford, Kikuchi, and Gilbert aren't encouraging. But I, I think that's probably the most apt way to look at it. You've got some young players who are really looking good for you right now, and you feel, I would say, better about the future, at least the immediate future. You're just not 100% sure what's going to be coming out of your farm system. Brandon responds, a bit of both, I suppose. Shedlong is hitting. JP is killing it both defensively and offensively. Jake Fraley is also getting it done. I can see the improvements but there have been some lucky moments and this article outlines some of the lucky moments 18 and 7 and 1 run games that's awesome it shows a little bit of clutch panache uh what is it uh, chutzpah, if you will like lots of lots of cool little cute words that you can describe this team they're mentally tough man they're going to fight to the finish blah 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 buzzword 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 but whatever the case that is the reality 18 and 7 and 1 run games And this article continues saying Seattle's run has been one of the most pleasant surprises of the season thus far. One of the most unheralded teams to put together a winning first half in modern memory. But then it goes back and compares the Mariners to a bunch of other teams that had these surprising starts compared to the expected win total that they had over the course of the year. And most of these teams, second half of the season that are on this list outside of the 2001 Mariners, fell back to earth, started playing sub 500 baseball the rest of the way. And I encourage you to check out the piece in 538.com if you really want to dive into it. But how much is this about their process and culture? Or maybe just their overall strategy? Here's the one thing that I think they deserve credit for. And I'm going to make a bit of a cross-sport comparison, it's going to be really quick. I respect teams in the NFL, especially. That aren't dumb, that don't make dumb mistakes all the time, that aren't going to get penalized for delay of games. We see way too much of that here in Seattle, that aren't going to have a bunch of false starts. They're not going to have a bunch of penalties called on them. They're going to be pretty good in terms of time management. They're not going to make back-breaking mistakes where they just completely lose a guy. And what's the most fundamentally sound team in the NFL, even if they don't have a quarterback anymore? That would be, I think, New England. It's unfair to make a comparison between the New England Patriots and the Seattle Mariners, no doubt. But one of the things that the Mariners have been able to do this year and last year, too, is all of a sudden transform from a team that in twenty what nineteen was defensively incompetent to a team that actually knows what it's doing defensively. And this year, the big change has been from last year. The bullpen is no longer something that you look at and say, Oh, no, oh, no, I don't know what's going to happen right now, at least for the most part. Maybe you do that with Rafael Montero. And they're starting pitching, I think, even with some of the struggles from Marco Gonzalez, Justice Sheffield. You could argue it's been better this year. There's been more of it. They are fundamentally sound. They are not stupid. They are not a team that beats themselves anymore. And that's, I think, a big step in the right direction. And I do think that that is partly due to their culture or their process or the way that they build a roster and the things that they prioritize. I don't want to give too much credit for it because the lineup needs to be better. But that part I do think deserves some credit. That said, there is definitely luck involved here, no doubt about it. And guess what? Luck is a part of sports. You know, sometimes uh, the ball is going to come to you the right way. And while the Mariners have overcome some bad luck, you know, all those injuries, I, I don't think you can. I don't think anyone listening right now is saying, "Yeah, they." Man, the Mariners—no luck at all involved in a team with a negative forty-three run differential that can barely hit. Having a record three games above five hundred, and in terms of their record against series against teams over five hundred, they have seven series wins, five series losses, and two series splits. That does feel, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, a term made popular during the Danny and Gallant radio program uh, this morning. The new term that we are going to just you know make a part of American conversation in twenty twenty one playing ahead of their skis. Commonly held saying that most ski experts would agree. This is this is just how it's done. Sometimes you know you're you're, you're playing ahead of your skis and you die, or you know flip over, you know, hurt yourself, fall on the old slopes. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. seven tens How you text in? You can tweet me too at Gallant says. How much of the Mariners' surprising start is due to their process or culture or whatever word you want to throw out there, and how much of it is due to luck? T. Newman tweets at me, given their terrible run differential, I am thinking it is more luck. Possibly never give up culture, but less about the process at this point, though all three play a part. David Gardner brings up the negative 43 run differential. The great bullpen, that's been good. Year to year, you can't really rely on that. Uh, not sure about crowning the organization's culture, but the record speaks for itself. Justice Beaver says, based on the roughest run differential, I'm going with luck. Chris Soba says a good culture creates good luck. So it's the culture. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Do you make your own luck? I know uh, that's a famous line from the fantastic movie, The Dark Knight. Harvey Dent says, I make my own luck. To a point, and then, you know, then he got unlucky, and half of his face got blown off, and then he turned into a vigilante uh, villain. So I... I don't know that you can necessarily make your own luck. I I do think things have been rather fortuitous for the Mariners. Take, for example, this past weekend. The reason I was so confident in the Mariners' ability to beat the White Sox over the weekend wasn't about what the Mariners are necessarily doing or the series victory over the Rays as much as it was about, hey, look, the White Sox are really injured right now. Really injured. And those injuries have them in a spot right now where, I mean, you take a look at their lineup. They're missing a lot of key guys. Then you saw another guy go down... On Sunday, it was Jose Abreu who got nailed in the knee with a fastball. I, I guess he's still s- powering through it and, and able to play, but the White Sox have had some bad injury luck. The Mariners have too, but that was why I felt they were pretty fortuitous going into this weekend series against the White Sox, who for the most part this year, despite some of those injuries, have been a really good baseball team. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. You'll get a chance to weigh in via the phones, the old-fashioned way. 206-421-3776 at 10.15. This hour of the Paul Gallant Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. An hour you can listen to on your 710 app or on your smart speaker. Or watch me, 710sports.com slash video. Wearing my old Seattle Rainiers t-shirt. It is 10.10. 10. That means it's time for What's Trending, brought to you by King's Eating and Air with Maura Dooley. Good morning, afternoon, Maura Dooley. How are you now?
2: Good morning. I'm great. How are you? I am Good. wonderful. You're, you're doing okay with people calling you out for the way you...
0: Talk about playing ahead of your skis. <laughs> yeah, I for those who don't know, sometimes it. We, need a, we need a camera in studio because every now and then I just have a meltdown over something that was completely innocuous. And these are the things that get me. It's never... It's never the texts that say, oh, Paul, I hope you die in a fire, which do happen from time to time. I actually chuckle at some of those. It's always something like that's really, really small. And then all of a sudden I read it and there were two texts that came in saying, Paul, clearly you've never skied. And I was like, you get what I'm trying to say here, right? Come on. Playing ahead of your skis, <laughs> going over your skis, blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah, for whatever reason, I went on a little tirade about that. And poor Danny and Mora had to sit back and just watch me uh, drop a bunch of expletives as I expressed frustration with being called out over this random small semantic.
2: And now it's your slogan.
0: Yes, it's my slogan, and I'm totally over it. I'm not worked (laughs) up on it at
2: all in any way, shape, or form. Nope, not me. All right, well, you mentioned this earlier in the show. We are still awaiting word on the the ruling of Hector Santiago's glove and whether there was a banned substance or not. But um, we did hear from him, and it sounds like... Pitchers are confused about what's even allowed as far as rosin goes now.
0: I know that I didn't use anything today. I just went – I didn't know that they said – what he told me was you can't use rosin on the arm, your glove hand. So I, when I've used rosin, I you know, dab on both sides, keep it dry. That way I'm not having any sweat coming down the hands. Um, I didn't know that you couldn't – the umpire said you couldn't use it on your, your glove hand. So I don't know. It is confusing because also, I mean, he, he talks about how they looked at his – glove and at his hat and and, and did the TSA inspection, I guess twice. We did not see that on camera. We did not see the results. There's a part of me that wishes we would have the camera that would stay on during commercial breaks, during these TSA pat-downs that umpires are doing, but they looked at him twice, thought he was fine. Third time, when he leaves the game, that's when they said, oh, well, mm, sorry, Hector, but you, you got too much stuff going on here. And, I mean, Just think about all of the things that could have led to that. Now, there's obviously the possibility that over the course of the game, maybe he did add something to his arm. I'm not going to rule that out, but also think about...
2: That would just be really bold with them checking him every inning.
0: Exactly. I would be pretty paranoid about doing something like that, Mora. So, he talks about putting Rosin on both of his arms, I guess, and when you're sweating, that's something that's going to, obviously, create a bit of a sticky substance. And the other thing that you have to factor in, too, anyone who has worn sunscreen, I mean... You put it on. But it is something that if you don't lather it in quite the correct way, I could see how that would mix in with the rosin and mix in with the sweat and perhaps dribble down your arm into the little spot in your glove where your wrist is, which it seems like is where uh, the umpires took issue, where things got really sticky. Now, I don't know how sticky it was. And since baseball is not going to be transparent, I I suppose we're not going to figure that out. Like if, if you could catch a bunch of flies with it, then maybe maybe Hector did do something a little bit fishy here. But since I assume no transparency is going to take place, I think that pitchers are going to remain confused the way Hector Santiago is right now. And us too. All
2: right, next up, NFL Network's Mike follow said on Good Morning Football that he believes the 49ers will switch to Trey Lance at some point this season. Even if they are already in contention, um, he said, I truly believe that. Now, that that's not a knock on Jimmy G. It's just that Trey Lance, from what I gather, has already shown up there and proven that he is mentally at this stage of the game a lot more than maybe people thought. And I feel bad for Jimmy, but there's nothing Jimmy can do to stave that off.
0: More than people thought versus ready to play in an NFL game against an actual pass rush and against NFL defenses and against NFL defensive coordinators who are going to be game planning for this quarterback. Totally different things. And once again, I will just warn everybody, and you guys are smart, you know this, this time of year you hear all sorts of stories about how some quarterback gets it. Wow, Trey Lance, he just gets it. And this is not me even being skeptical about Trey Lance. I I think that Trey Lance is probably the most fearsome addition to the NFC West because the 49ers now have a backup plan should their quarterback get hurt. we talked about it earlier there's only one season that Jimmy Garoppolo has played the whole way through 2018 rest he's been hurting every single one variety of different injuries whether it was a broken collarbone I believe in New England to uh, you had the torn ACL the year before the Super Bowl run
2: Yeah, AC joint sprain and yeah at some point a bunch
0: of ankle injuries too right like he's he's dealt with injuries so they have a backup plan but this idea that he is going to overtake Jimmy Garoppolo when the 49ers I think are in win now mode this year I don't know man
2: well, he's just in a more unique situation than most rookie quarterbacks because of the lack of playing time that he had in college.
0: No doubt. So that's that's something you have to think about. And also, I mean, this is a good football team. They would have to be awful for that to happen. I look at this 49er roster. I mean, how many injuries did they did they, did they deal with last year? And yet, what, it's still respectable 6-10 and 10 at the end of the year? And they were, I think, the most injured team in the NFL. So... They would really have to be bad for that change to happen. And for all the flack that Jimmy Garoppolo gets, some of which is deserved, I don't think he is so bad that this team is going to start horribly and then decide to turn things over to Trey Lance. Just like I also don't think that they're going to be at a point midway through the year like we saw a couple of years ago where Alex Smith got hurt and the 49ers turned to Colin Kaepernick. I I just don't, don't see that happening either.
2: Yeah, it's, it, I think it all depends on whether Garoppolo can stay healthy or not.
0: It, it really is. It's, it's as simple as that. And this is, this is a nice golf club for the San Francisco 49ers to have this year, where I do feel like they are on paper the most talented team in the NFC West, which is saying something because this is a really talented division because the Seahawks are really good, and so are the Los Angeles Rams, at least at the top of the roster. And the Arizona Cardinals aren't slouches either. That, everybody, is What's Trending with Maura Dooley, brought to you by King's Heating and Air every single morning at 1010. 206-421-3776 is how you call in. It's how you – no, it's not how you text in. You text in at 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. My question for you today on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, how much of the Mariners' surprising start is due to their process and culture and how much is just luck? We'll have the Gras in the sports pit in about eh 13 minutes or so. And we'll also talk about how Scottie Pippen, something he said actually relates to a bad experience for the Seattle Seahawks not too long ago. But right now, it's time to hear from you guys, your chance to be heard.
2: Your voice, your, voice. your opinions,
0: it's time to be heard. be heard every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. 206-421-3776 is how you call in. You can text in to on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. At 710, 710. Let's go to the text line. Luck writes the 425. Mariners are lucky as the season unfolds. Other teams acquire stats and get better at attacking our weaknesses. Right now, we have lots of new unknown players. That won't last. Other teams will catch up. Well, I, I guess my counterpoint is who are the unknown players? I guess maybe Logan Gilbert. Things are a little more difficult for him as the season progresses. But, I mean, he had his struggles out of the gate and it feels like he has developed into a really consistent player. J.P. Crawford should cool off. I doubt that he is going to hit at the rate that he hit this past month. Where at one point I know he was hitting north of 400 and he might still be. With... Shed Long, maybe there's less power, but I, I feel like people know who Shed Long is. Ty France, maybe there's an adjustment made to him. I, I, I guess my big question is who are the new guys that you are concerned are going to be figured out? Because I think it's a sound theory, but then you have to figure out the actual names themselves. And I mean, I don't think Yusei Kikuchi is going to get found out. With the way that he's pitched this season, I think he's finally actually figured it out. Maybe Chris Flexen? Because it does feel like he is playing over his skis. Got it right that time. 7-10, 7-10. My dad used to say that luck is the residue of hard work. I hope that's the case. I think we all hope that's the case. I don't know that it's necessarily the case. I saw this piece yesterday in... I want to say it was the Daily Mail. Where... A study done at a university found that those who know how to bull spit, if you will, they have a higher cognitive ability than their peers. And a lot of people who are able to you-know-what spit, those people are sometimes able to rise the ranks higher than they necessarily should be able to. We all know that. We all are working with one person like that. And we're like, are you serious? Everybody in life has that. Wait a second. What? This guy, he advanced up the food chain? It's luck. Sometimes the luck, I feel like, and the hard work are, are not related. But it's a nice thing to tell yourself because you hope that someday it's going to pay off for you. And I do feel like, at least in the case of me, for those who are skeptical of this, believe it or not, your boy actually works hard. And he has been very, very lucky over the course of his career. And I thank the lucky stars every single day for that. Text in seven ten seven ten. 710 paul Call the Seattle Mariners what they are. Average. 500 record is average. They're not bad. They're not good. They're average with lots of hope going forward. Yeah, and that's that's not a criticism, I, I, but I don't th- I don't think anyone's disagreeing with that. I'm certainly not. I mean, uh, we all know what they are—a team that can't hit, at least to the degree that we would like to see them hit. And yeah, on Friday that was awesome to see what they did to Rodon. To Rodon, it was sick. I mean, Rodon's one of the better pitchers in baseball, and the entire lineup got hits—not necessarily off Rodon, but off the entirety of the Chicago White Sox. Uh, text in seven ten seven ten. Two thoughts: A culture of competing till the end is required. Before they can even get lucky. Two, lucky beats good every single time. They're competing till the end, though, aren't they? Are you talking about over the entirety of a season? Are you more talking about that as opposed to just being successful in the ninth inning? Because they are 18-7 and seven in one-run games this year. Uh, text in, 7-10, 7-10. Whoa, I like this one. Not luck, destiny. When we win the AL West in 22, we will look back and say, we should have seen this coming. This is what championship teams look like. I hope you're right on that one. Let's write that one down. Thank you very much, 360. Uh, text in 710. At 710, that person is Paul Gallant. Maybe. Maybe not. The problem is when you're someone with, I would imagine, you know, limited IQ, like I believe myself to have, I'm not good at lying. So that's that's always been a detriment to me. There are times where I wish I was good at lying. Like I have a friend who can make up a lie on the fly, almost like it's an improv class. And I've always gotten a kick out of it, seeing him do it around his mom. And the guy's incredibly brilliant. He's a lawyer. <laughs> Which, honestly, maybe not that surprising. No offense to the lawyers out there. I respect very much what you do. That's a very difficult job. Uh 710 On the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company tax line. A lot of people have brought up the Code Red. Uh, this Hector Santiago drama reminds me of the movie A Few Good Men. Very good movie. Need to get the umpire on the stand and get Tom Cruise to ask him if he ordered the Code Red on Santiago. Well... Baseball ordered him to do the code red. I mean, isn't isn't the umpire a Patsy, right? They've probably all been told, hey, at some point, figure somebody out and 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 accuse somebody, accuse somebody of tampering with the ball, because baseball does need to look like they're in command here, like they're in charge. They're not, but they want everybody to believe that they are. I'm very curious as to how the Gras feels about the chain of custody that involves a uh, hefty bag that baseball obviously brought to the table this weekend with old Hector Santiago. We'll talk about that, Dr. Balls, and a whole lot more next.
1: It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some frickin' toughness, you're gonna get your, you're gonna gonna fail. With Paul Gallant.
0: And I am joined, thanks to Mac and Jack's Brewing Company, by the great and powerful Graz. And if you have a question for the Graz, 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company Text line. Gross, what's going on, buddy?
1: Nice and cool and comfortable today, Paulie. Whoa, are you cool and comfortable? Oh, it's 70 degrees outside. It's beautiful out. Wait, what? What? What planet are we on?
0: Where where are you at? Oh, I'm I'm, I'm inside in air conditioning. I'm I'm too scared to go outside. I actually stayed here at work (sighs) yesterday, Gross, until like 4 o'clock, which... Was not because I was, you know, love my job so much. It was because uh, I don't love my air conditioning situation. The thermometer in my apartment read ninety late last night, and this morning it was eighty-seven. So it did not cool, despite the uh, air outside cooling a little bit.
1: I feel for you, brother. I feel for you. Yeah, it's uh, it's a mistake that we made long ago in Los Angeles, and have never repeated it
0: yeah gotta get the old air conditioning everybody out there but uh it's a little bit easier said than done at this point in time but the question of today's show how much of the surprising start for the mariners is due to their process their culture maybe their strategies prioritizing defensive players or how much of it is just luck
1: uh that's a good question um since the Mariners normally don't have any good luck to speak of, I'm going I'm to probably err <laughs> towards the former. Uh, I think it's residue design. I think it's you know that they, they've got some good young players in place now, now. Looking specifically at why they have a winning record when they've been outscored by 40 runs, that probably has got a little bit more to do with with luck and, and you know having actually been blown out, obviously in some games when when the bullpen wasn't wasn't doing particularly well, but. I think it's more about design than luck I would say at this point. Uh, I think they're they're a little lucky to be where they're at record-wise, but it, it's not it's not ridiculous at this point. Though usually uh you know you play enough games in baseball that everything everything evens out. So if they remain, you know, minus 30, minus 40, it's hard to imagine them winning 90 games obviously. It,
0: we we just mentioned luck. Isn't it just the Mariners luck that the first player in baseball to be at least apprehended by baseball authorities for potentially doctoring a baseball, would be a Seattle Mariner?
1: How could we have thought it would be any other way? I how know. could we have possibly thought it would have been any other way than that way? And and yeah, and and um, we'll, we'll see what winds up happening there. Of course, there's no precedent, so we've got no idea how fast this is going to work. This is terrible timing, obviously, for the Mariners. Not that there's good timing, but... You know, when specifically when Marco Gonzalez was 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 not able to pitch on Sunday and and you're looking at being short of pitching spots. So, yeah, we, we should have figured it would be a Mariner. And, and um, I have no idea. I don't know if you guys know, you know, how the process goes, how the appeal goes, what either. the time frame is on this thing. But, um, you know, it uh, yeah, that, that it goes back to what you talked about luck, man. The Mariners are not a team that's blessed with much luck normally, and that's what we probably should have expected that it would be that would be the case, and and we'll see what it goes from here.
0: Since the luck perhaps not in their favor on this side of things, and a texter asked, what, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. I think we're all in the dark as far as what's going to happen next, and and but I am I am sitting back and waiting, and excitedly I am hoping for baseball to do what baseball has been doing a whole lot of recently, and I think one of the funnier parts. Groz was com- combining the NBC Sports uh, Chicago broadcast of the Mariners-White Sox game where they talk about how the evidence had been collected by the authenticator and put in a hermetically sealed <laughs> bag, and the and the bag was a, a trash bag. <laughs> and a texter's yeah. asking, Groz, what do you prefer, Glade scented trash bags or the ones with the scented powder
1: inside? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Optics, anyone? Optics? Yeah. I mean, could you look like you're taking it just a little more seriously? Or how, how about this? I'm not going to accuse you of not taking it seriously, but here's a thought. Have a plan. Yeah. A lot of people do that. They they, they have plans for things, and, and that's how they can avoid being embarrassed by something like that, because that was embarrassing.
0: Why didn't they have a plan is my biggest question. And I guess you could just say, <laughs> well, Rob Manfred. But, Grosh, I mean, they sent out a memo, like the same kind of memo that – poor peter was getting in office space about the the tps reports (laughs) you know you send a memo out that's one thing but you got to come down hard if you feel like this is a major problem and to do it in the middle of the year okay have at least a plan for what you're going to do in the middle of the year and i just find it amusing keeping on seeing manfred out and out in the open saying yeah you know I i feel like this is going according to plan when you got Max Scherzer losing his mind at uh, Joe Girardi and, and you got uh, Sergio Romo dropping his pants. And those are the guys that didn't even get in trouble.
1: Yeah, they were just mocking it for, the, for that matter. I mean, you know, what, what baseball really needs, what Manfred really needs is an independent review of how they're going about their business. You can't blame everything on the commissioner. He can't do everything for crying out loud. But he's got to have guys, uh, you know, who are, who are implementing these things who think a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like they're just, just assigning it to an intern in the office. Hey, figure out how this is going to work, but we got to get this rolling by Wednesday. I mean, it's just, uh, it just does not seem as though they have a very good infrastructure put together. And, and it's, it's a mystery to me. You know, I saw a guy, uh, from a Sports Illustrated website tweet something out today. And, and I thought it, it was a great point about baseball too. And it was, why doesn't baseball make a bigger deal about Shohei Otani? I mean this guy is doing stuff that hasn't been done since Babe Ruth's day. He's got 26 home runs, is striking out 12 batters per 9 nice. innings, has a 2.58 ERA. I mean uh, and, and I mean they don't even I understand he's, he's he's Japanese, but that shouldn't make any difference at all. I mean, why isn't he the the focal point of of, of baseball's aggressive policy to promote itself? You've got a a Babe Ruth style player going for you right now and you're not paying any attention to them. I, I mean, it's it's one of the many things that's vexing about the game, Paul.
0: Yeah, you're right. And and you know, I think I think this documentary already came out, but I remember MLB Network announced that they were gonna do a little mini documentary on Fernando Tatis Jr. And I'm like, well, that might be a little early to do that, but at the same time, I actually think this is smart by baseball to to go out of their way, at least in-house, and try to market their best players. But you're right. I mean, twenty-six home runs. It's funny that that's the first time I've heard that number said aloud. And hearing it said aloud, you're like, "Holy crap! Like, how does he have 26 home runs already? We're we're barely halfway through the year. We might have another 50 home run hitter." Uh, I, I did see something very funny yesterday. At the very least, baseball has this like alternative uh, uh, social media account. It's called Cut Four, and they were doing some yeah. trolling of Yankee fans where they said like, "Wow." Uh, <laughs> Shohei Otani is the greatest batter pitcher to ever make an appearance at Yankee Stadium. And it got a lot of Yankee fans riled up.
1: Of course, they're going to say Babe Ruth. Well, that's something at least. But, but geez, I mean, it just, it just speaks to what you were talking about beforehand about having you know, the evidence collected by trash bag. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball just this seems like uh, it, it's, it, it's being run you know, incredibly poorly infrastructure-wise. Uh, it, it just, it's a mystery to me.
0: It's amazing it still does have the kind of cachet that it does on the American conscience. And, and I, I do hope that they're able to, as you just said, highlight some of the great things that we are seeing because, man, there have been some cool things this year. I, I think watching mm-hmm. Fernando Tatis, too, has been a whole lot of fun. We got to see that firsthand, of course. Maybe the Mariners didn't like watching it as much as we did. <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah, you're, you're right on the, on the money with that, Graz. Uh, is there any way that off the top of your head that you can think that would help baseball do that? Because I, I think for us the conventional wisdom is, well, just do it, you know, like just do a better job. But how do we guide these clearly toddlers down the road and actually help them out, help them promoting themselves and helping them make the sport look like it's not a joke that's overrun by cheating?
1: Well, the guy from Sports Illustrated uh, who did the, the video that, that uh, retweeted uh, had, a, had a tagline at least they could use, Major League Baseball, welcome to the show, SHO. Yeah, there we go. There's a start. Start with a tagline and build from there.
0: He is the great and powerful Graz joining me every single Tuesday, Thursday, right here in the Sports Pit at 1030. Graz, thank you so much, man. I'll talk to you again on
1: Thursday. Uh, no, I think we got an early game on Thursday, don't we? The Blue Jays playing an early game on Thursday.
0: Look at that. The Graz knowing more about the Mariners ahead schedule than me. Now I look like a dumb dumb head. Hey, the Graz, everybody. <laughs> Appreciate you joining me, buddy. Talk to
1: you later. Okay,
0: Paul. <laughs> that is the Graz. Man, I should have looked ahead at the calendar. Paul Gallant. On top of Mariners baseball, some would argue that he is, you know, playing ahead of his skis, perhaps, when it comes to the Mariners. I want to talk about, I think, one of the most embarrassing things that we have seen an athlete do over, honestly, the last couple of years and how it relates to the Seattle Seahawks. We'll do that next, plus the question of the day, how much of the Mariners' surprising start is due to their process and culture? Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Paul Gallant, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio, every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Seattle.
0: Some more answers from you on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, 710-710, the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line or at Gallant says on Twitter, how much of the Mariners' surprising start is due to their process and culture and how much is just luck? And I ask that question because I got giddy when I saw an article last night on the 538 titled... The MLB contender, nobody saw coming. And it's talking about the Seattle Mariners. I'm not sure about the word contender. I think that's a little bit strong. But how about the surprise story? The most unheralded team thus far? The most surprising team thus far? I I think that's definitely something that the Mariners are right now. Who saw this coming? I certainly didn't. I I thought that they might be, at the very least, a team that would uh, would continue some of the stuff it was doing last year, playing well defensively. Being reasonably good in the starting rotation, but I think they've been better than that in the rotation, and the defense has been, I, I think, awesome. Uh, this is some of the responses <laughs> that you guys gave me. I, I love them, and I love you guys for texting him in. Just bear with me, because I'm going to have to process this with, process this with my uh, small, little, tiny brain. The culture creates the environment where luck happens. Language of learning, unselfish belief, consistent, will win, knowledge that the culture improves individual and team play. Systemic luck. Fred, Fred, it sounds like you're in a cult. I'm just going to say that. I I, I see all that and I'm like, whoa, this feels like this is the, I don't know, preamble to some sort of uh, 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 incantation. Enchantation? I don't know. Enchantment? I don't know. Some sort of saying that I would be saying. (laughs) I'm not doing well with sayings today. Someone texted in, you're pulling a Jake. I I, I guess that's something that Jake does. I I assure you that I do it much worse than Jake. But that does sound like some sort of incantation that you would be saying. I think I got it right that time before, I don't know, joining some sort of a cult. Text in, 710.
2: A series of words set as a magic spell or charm. Yeah. Is that what you're going for there?
0: I think so. But is that enchantment or is that incantation?
2: That's incantation.
0: Okay, good. Okay. (laughs) I feel like they're sort of similar in some ways, but not in all ways. Uh, This text is also confusing. I'm saying that you are asking if it's luck or culture, but in reality, it is luck and culture. The culture is required before the luck can happen. So now it's starting into the chicken and the egg theory. All right, I'm getting lost. (laughs) in my own conversation. Texted seven ten seven ten. ted Paul, are we underestimating Rob Manfred? He may have just bagged a new sponsor for baseball. And shouldn't that make people glad? Ah! That's the, you know, yeah, from CSI Miami. That was well done. Well played. Nice and corny. I appreciate it. I do think that it is... You have to give him credit for some of the stuff that they've been able to do. You have to give them credit for the
2: defense. You have them
0: g- to give them credit for the starting rotation that they have built. But they have certainly been fortunate. 18-7 and 7 in one-run games, it does seem unsustainable, as does a negative 43-run differential. But, hey, look, I hope it keeps up. If we go two out of three on Toronto, asks a texter, where are we as a team for the Mariners? You're not proving anything against the Blue Jays. The only thing that you can do the remainder of the first half of the year, because you play the Angels and you play the Rangers and also you play the Yankees. If You look good against the Yankees who aren't playing well of late. Honestly, I feel like you got a pretty good chance to look good against the Yankees. That's when we can say, oh, wow, the last three series that they've gone up against teams with talent, with actual possibilities at making the playoffs, they've done really well. This is one of the most embarrassing things that I've ever seen an athlete do. We've seen a couple of cringeworthy moments on the Dan Patrick show this year. I would say Russell Wilson's appearance earlier this offseason was certainly one of them, but nothing is going to hold a candle to Scottie Pippen, who joined the Dan Patrick show yesterday. This is one of the worst interviews I think I've ever seen. Scottie Pippen could not come off more small, petty, insecure, and like a loser. Honestly, on top of that, being a jerk with Dan Patrick, too, who seems a rather affable fellow, feels like it really requires effort to rub him the wrong way. I'll give Dan Patrick credit for holding his tongue on a couple of things that Pippen said along the way. Like, do you read? Anyway, what am I talking about with Scottie Pippen? Well, I guess Scottie Pippen's in his feelings, and I don't know if it has to do with what we saw last summer, the Last Dance documentary, but Scottie Pippen is still mad about one of the most infamous moments of his career where... In a game against, I believe, the New York Knicks, Phil Jackson, head coach of the Bulls, drew up a play that was going to call on Tony Kukoc to take the shot that would win the game. Pippen decided that he wasn't going to play that play. Honestly, one of the most despicable things I've ever seen a teammate do, let alone the best player on a team, cry more about the fact that you're not getting all your glory points. But here is how Scottie Pippen looks back at that moment, all those years ago.
2: Wouldn't you give Scottie Pippen one opportunity to get a last-second shot without Michael Jordan? Like, one year without Michael Jordan. Can I get one shot? Like, I'm doing all the dirty work.
1: But all of that I understand from the basketball standpoint. But when so, you say a racial move...
2: Well, why would, why would Tony, who was a rookie, get the last-second shot and you put me up of bounce? That's what I mean, racial Like, that was Scottie Pippen's team. But but Scottie Pippen was on pace to be an MVP that year, right?
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, why would you put him in a position not to be successful?
0: That's right. Racism. Because it's always racism's fault. Scottie Pippen, who said his name three times over the course of just that answer. Always racism's fault. It's not, hey, we're going to try to get a guy open who probably the defense is going to sag back on because they're not expecting him to take the game-winning shot and then he's going to hit the game-winning shot. I don't get it. And look, maybe there are some things that Phil Jackson did behind the scenes that make Scottie Pippen feel that way. That's a terrible use of an example of racism. Terrible. Terrible. And he's so in his feelings about it. Look, in team sports, you try to win the game. And there is this thing in basketball where... The best players feel entitled to taking the last shot. And I just don't understand that. Don't you want to have the guy with the best look to take that last shot? Don't you? I mean, this is a league of professionals. Oh, only Scottie Pippen can take the last shot? We've seen plenty of great players take the last shot all the time. Kobe Bryant missed his fair share of last shots. Paul George sure had until maybe the last couple of games. Many, many stars across basketball. They haven't been good in that last moment. So how about in a league where, I don't know, everyone's a professional. This is the most skilled league in the world. How about the guy who's open at the end of the game gets the last second shot? Scottie Pippen, I understand that he is insecure about being considered the sidekick to Michael Jordan. Though many people consider him to be one of the 20 best basketball players ever. I understand that insecurity. but. Stop looking at it as if it's some sort of insult on your character, on your talent. It's not. And to go this route, I get you're trying to sell a book, but to just do what everyone's doing in 2021 and just lobbing out the the R-bomb on somebody with a terrible example, it's embarrassing, small-minded, petty, and loser behavior. And it does make me think, to bring it back to the Seahawks really quickly, about some of the conspiracy theories that we heard about the Seahawks at the end of Super Bowl forty-nine, and the play that shall not be named. You go back in time and you look at that play. I understand revisionist history. It does make sense to maybe hand the football off to Marshawn Lynch again. But if you go back into that scenario, it's not that cut and dry. And that some people on the Seahawks who are angry about what took place believe that this was something that was being done so that it would be Russell Wilson who gets all the glory points as opposed to Marshawn Lynch, because Marshawn Lynch is difficult. Like I, I just don't know what planet you live on. Pete Carroll's legacy was at stake there, too. You think he wanted to lose that game? He was going to do whatever it took to score that touchdown. He thought he made the right call. The unfortunate thing is New England to practice for the play that they ended up calling. So that's just me. Scottie Pippen, get back to reality, man. I'm Paul Gallant. This was the Paul Gallant Show. A lot of things to go around. Of course, the Graz who stopped by earlier in the sports pit. To Maura Dooley, who makes this thing happen every single day. The texters, the tweeters, the callers. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long farewell. The Jake and Stacey program is next.